Welcome to Change Making Women, the podcast for women who make a difference. With Ziada Bade in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and Marianne Clements in London, in the UK. So, hi, and welcome to another episode of Change Making Women. Um, this week, I'm really excited. Um, I'm talking to Walker Thornton. She's an educator, public speaker, and author of the book Inviting Desire, which is a guide for women who want to embrace their sex life. And Walker is in Charlottesville, Virginia, in the United States, and she's a strong advocate for women's sexuality and for encouraging women to really step into their desire. So I'm really excited about this conversation with Walker. And just to say for our listeners that um, Ziada hasn't been able to be on the call to see if she's not feeling very well. So Walker and I are going to go ahead and have a conversation without her and fill her in later. <laughs> so Walker, welcome. Thank you. It's great to have you on the show. And um, I just wanted to ask, uh, you to tell us a bit about how you how you came to be doing what you're doing <laughs> okay <laughs> well you know it was um, it was sort of a coincidence I was writing about my own dating experiences sort of mm-hmm, testing mm-hmm. out my ability to write for mm-hmm. a public audience um, so I was blogging anonymously taking writing classes and then I left my job and mm-hmm was trying to figure out what I was going to do. So it was a, it was a sense of, of dating and the kind of the questions I was having as a newly divorced woman. I was in my fifties mm-hmm. and getting all this feedback from women and from men who were reading my writing and sort of experiencing their own challenges um, around dating and sex. Mm-hmm. And, I had also been working with women who'd experienced sexual violence and, Mm -hmm. you know, been kind of thinking about the fact that we do education for girls talks about healthy relationships. We do that for high school girls. We do that for kids in, um, in college, but then Mm -hmm. nothing for adults. And so it all sort of came together. So, you know, sort of me looking at my, own process and realizing that there are a lot of women out there who needed the same kinds of information that I did. And mm. so I started sort of moving towards writing more about midlife women and, and sex. And here I am. <laughs> it's become your occupation. <laughs> it has actually. Yeah. I mean, it really has. Um, and I, you know, I write, I do a, a couple of columns for online magazines mm-hmm. focusing on midlife women. And then, of course, I wrote the book and, yes. and I speak in public about it, too. So um, and then, of course, there is my personal life. So all around, it's become my, mm-hmm. um, like you said, it's, it's my it's my occupation. Yeah. <laughs> Sex. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. You, you, it sounds like your personal life and your, and, and what you're working on kind of came, came together in the, in the, in the blogging anonymously thing. And then kind of you, it sounds like you kind of came out. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
so blogging anonymously has a different character, doesn't it? To or does it? I'm interested because I've never done it. But did, did it have a very different character to now um, presenting? You know, your personal views and, and obviously support for women and and you know ideas as you as Walker. Yeah, it did, and you know it. I tried to walk that balance as a as an educator. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the moment when I started it, I was also the director of a nonprofit. So mm-hmm. I needed to be a little bit discreet. And blogging anonymously means you can kind of write or say anything you want. So I could be more irreverent. I could um, not be politically correct. You know, I had a much more freedom um, because of that concern about keeping my own personal things sort of private. So it was, it was a lot easier, but, mm-hmm. um, but I made the switch as I began to do the work and began to try to put myself in a public light because I wanted, you can't talk, I believe that I can't really talk to women about embracing their sexuality and facing challenges if I'm unwilling to do that publicly. Yeah. So I had to, I had to change and I had to, I felt I needed to even write under my own name and kind of say, um, I'm not ashamed of the questions I have. I'm not ashamed of my, uh, sexuality of my aging. And so that's when I made that change to writing under Walker Thornton. Mm-hmm. And so I think for people listening be, who, who might not have looked at your work before, it'd be really interesting just to understand a bit more about the kind of, just, just the bare bones of the kind of issues that you're writing about for midlife women around sexuality and desire. And um, yeah, because I think that they're, well, as you kind of identify in your work, they're things that we don't necessarily hear talked about that much. So what are the kind of issues that you encounter, the kind of things that people are asking you about? What, what, what's, what's here? Yeah. You know, I, some of the first questions I got that I continue to get um, were from women who were in their, say, 50s and up mm-hmm. who never had orgasms, mm-hmm. who had, had a very um, sheltered, maybe it's not quite the right word, but it had a very... Um, unsatisfying sexual experience in a way and Mm -hmm. they wanted information they wanted some resources so I try to talk about sex without getting really explicit like I don't um I don't excuse me I don't use pornographic pictures I don't use even what I would call really erotic pictures I Mm -hmm. I want people to feel safe and comfortable Mm -hmm. but but I talked about and I still talk about learning our bodies how do we give pleasure to ourselves? Mm-hmm. What is our conditioning as women and how do we overcome that? So I, I talk about sex. I write about, um, I've done articles on vibrators. I've done articles on lubricants and the reason that we need them. Mm-hmm. Um, articles on conversation, trying to help women figure out how to talk about their needs. Um, how to, you know, how to, ask a new partner to get tested for sexually transmitted diseases and why that's important. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I may even get as specific as giving them sentences and possible ways to say it, right. you know, something really concrete 
but I'm not really a traditional sex blogger in the sense that I'm not going to um, talk about some of the, uh, shall we say, juicier things that you might find in other places. And is that de that's deliberate because you want your audience to feel, as you said, comfortable, right? Yeah, I have a you know I have a sense that my audience is is the older woman who's mm -hmm. either married for a long time and maybe wanting to um, put some new energy into that relationship. She may right. have gone through menopause or right. she may be dating after a long, long time. And so I, there's a little, um, a little hesitancy. There's a little embarrassment, you know, they're not really, you know, they're not likely to have watched a lot of porn. They're not right. likely to have done a lot of experimenting. So I, I want to give more information and resources and, and support as opposed to something that's sort of titillating and exciting. Right. Yeah. And um, you mentioned menopause and sexuality and I think I'd, I'd be, so I'm, I'm kind of pre-menopause mm. and I don't know how far obviously, but um, I'm interested just to hear like what the impact on your sexuality of menopause was and also what, you know, also from, from the, the women you work with and, you know, what, what, what that is just for people listening that might be experiencing some of these things right now or, you know, want to have awareness of them for the future. Right. Um, there's a lot of information out there about menopause and it's, I think it's kind of equally split between the, oh my God, menopause is awful. It's the end of your sex life. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I that stuff. <laughs> right. I mean, and that tends to be the louder voice. And I think that scares women. And it also doesn't reflect the majority of women out there. Right. There's a huge desire to medicalize, yeah. menopause, to make yeah. it an illness, to say, oh, you're going to need pills. Oh, you right. So I, you know, I think this comes from my background in working in a nonprofit. I want the information to be relevant, um, something that you can back up with, with research. And for me, you know, I'm 62. So I finished menopause, it was officially declared, you know, postmenopausal at age um, in 2010. So it was an easy menopause. I've been, I was fortunate in that way. And my sex life has not been, um, um, hampered by mm -hmm. going menopause, so mm -hmm. I'm not having any issues. Um, I still remain um, able to lubricate somewhat, you know, naturally, um, mm -hmm. and I'm not having any of the other issues that we hear about sometimes. But I know that my experience doesn't reflect everybody's, right? Um, so what I, you know, what I try to talk about throughout all of my work, I think, is that. Aging is a natural process. It's not a fearful process. It can be, it can be a lot of fun and empowering if we don't get all uptight about it. <laughs> you know, if we kind of look ahead and say, this is what I can expect. Here are things I can try. Here are examples of people who are making it yeah. without needing to resort to medication. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and realizing that some people do. I mean, people have very difficult. There yeah. are women who need to take hormone pills um, and, you know, do experience problems, but not all of us. Yeah. 
So it doesn't need to be uh, something to fear in, you know, necessarily, right? I don't, yeah, because I think the minute we start to get really fearful about something, then we, we fall into that belief. We then get sort of uptight about it. We then worry. And if, if we can be open to the possibilities, have, be prepared. You know, that's why I talk about lubricants a lot, because even if you don't think you need them, you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, how do we help our partners? Yeah. figure this out too and understand that our bodies may be changing but that 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 can be a good thing yeah right because um, it's a process yeah. right and it's an interesting thing when i think about it from um a kind of um feminist point of view i guess that um, and and one of the reasons i was interested to speak with you is that i you know i wrote a book about um old, elder women's stories and in that i was talking talks to women who are um, 60 and above about their lives, really. Not particularly about sexuality, but um, just about their lives and their life stories and why they did the things they did and what advice they would have for younger women. And, um, and I was really struck when I was doing that book, um, and it was a few years ago now, it came out in 2013, but by the kind of lack of elder women's voices kind of in our culture, um, certainly in the UK, but I think it's a broader thing. I think it, it feels pretty pervasive to me that elder women's voices are kind of um, notable by the, the few of them that are, that are loud. And, um, right? and so, so the idea of talking about women's sexuality, you know, it, it, in some ways what you're talking to is, is simple and practical things, but it's actually quite radical to be speaking to this because we don't speak to elder women's lives very much at all and certainly not sexuality. Right. Right. Interesting and, that, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm apologies. Well, and I find often here and in the UK and, and materials that I see and read that we take um, the idea that older women, elderly women, older women, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a senior citizen by virtue of that number, but, I'm certainly yeah. not um, claiming, you know, that it's time for the dentures and, and the cane. And, and so we, we don't show a population of women who are um, active and vital and going out and doing all kinds of fun and creative things. We tend to show pictures of, you know, we have this image of an old lady in a rocking chair. So we right. go, ooh, sex, gross. Instead yeah. of... Um, you know, the way I perceive myself is an individual who happens to be older, but my sex life isn't different. I'm not, um, I haven't had to give up things. Um, It's still, you know, um, without grossing out my kids who wouldn't be listening anyway. Um, (laughs) You know, we, we still kiss with passion. We still get excited about taking each other's clothes off. I mean, we still do fun and wild things. We engage in positions. We do all kinds of things other than just missionary sex. And, and that's what we need to hear. We need to, and we need to have people stand up and say, this is okay. This yeah. isn't just okay. This is fabulous. Yeah. Because, and to promote it from, um, you know, maybe it's a spectrum but I suspect if you and I were to compare details of the kinds of sexual things that we do or 
maybe the things that, that we're um, each turned on by, they wouldn't be that different. Right. I mean, you know, I'm a grandmother, but I haven't turned into an old lady who don't even know what we would say older, you know, seniors do in terms of sex. I'm not sure what people think. Um, no, and maybe no one ever does. <laughs> right. They just kind of go, ooh. And, you know, I don't know. When I'm 90, I'll be able to kind of look back and think about it. But at the moment, um, I find it kind of freeing. You know, I find it freeing to be some single. I find it freeing to be able to make my own choice and, and to recreate whatever it is I want, you know, because the stigmas are gone. Or if they're there, I no longer have to pay any attention to them. I hear that. And I wonder, like, what if, if some women are listening who, who are thinking that they still fear, you know, they still feel some of that um, stigma around their age and their sexuality. Um, maybe they're in a position of looking for, you know, new partner or partners at, at, at you know, an, an, what will I say, an old, you know, an older age in life. What would your advice be to someone who's listening to this and, and is asking themselves if, you know, how they could be more like you or, you know, more embracing of that, I should say. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does. Um, get to know your own body first. Mm. Get in touch with your own sexuality. Mm -hmm. Lower your body so that, because I think we do that, then we have a little bit of self-confidence. If a woman, especially a woman who's been in a, um, a relationship for a long, long time, who's starting all over again, mm. you know, good sex comes through good communication in my mind. So if you're getting ready to, have, to contemplate sex with a stranger at some point here in the future, or, or a new person, let's say, not strangers, um, the discomfort is less if you feel confident in your body. Yeah. The discomfort is a little bit less if you can talk about it. You know, if you can sit down with a partner and say, here's what I'd like, mm -hmm. and here's what I don't want. Um, and that comes through sort of practicing on our own first and then being able to go out. Because it's hard to say to a brand new guy, now here's, you know, here's the way I feel about sex. Mm -hmm. you know, it can be either a huge turn on and they may get it, they may get a little too excited, or it can be a little right, bit right. scary, you know? Oh my God, she's actually speaking up because, because we're not used to it. And I find that's the biggest drawback for older women is challenging the way we were raised around sex. And I was raised that way. Right. You know, asking for what I want has been the biggest struggle I've undergone personally, I think, right. around sex. Right. And it makes me wonder, what, what what change you hope to see as a result of the work you're doing. So um, I hear this personal journey, which is clearly at the heart of your work around, you know, feeling able to express that and speak about that. And, and for you speaking about that publicly, obviously. What's the change you hope to create for other women through the work that you do? You know, I would like for women to walk away from something they've read mm -hmm. or a conversation they've had with me and feel a little more comfortable in their own skin and their own age. Yeah. I'd like for them to realize that um, you know, aging is fine, that it doesn't limit us. 
I mean, sure, there, you know, every age has limits, but th that it's not limiting, that they can go out and, and create the kind of life they want right. and, and to give themselves permission to be sexual if they want mm -hmm. or not to be sexual if they want to, but, but to take hold of their own, own life and say, here's what I'm going to create. Here's what I want. Um, you know, for an example, I had a woman send me a note the other day on Facebook. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. She wrote to say, I can't comment on your feed anymore because when I do, strange men start messaging me. Right. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> happens. But she right. said, what I want to say to you is reading and listening and thinking about the questions you're asking, I'm starting to think about my own sexuality. So. I've just sparked a little curiosity in her right. by, you know, asking questions like, what do you need today? What gives you pleasure? Right. How do you ask for what you want? But really simple things that when, and they don't necessarily just apply to sex, you know. Um, right. They apply to all, all elements of a woman's life. Yeah. And it, the feminist piece I think is is that we're asking ourselves what we need. We're not dependent on someone else. We're not expecting a, if we're in a heterosexual relationship, we're not expecting that man to come in and, and take charge mm -hmm. and sort of lead the way. We're gonna do it mutually or, or we're gonna take charge, you know, and sort of figure out which way we wanna go. Yeah, and I, I feel like I, I just want to briefly go back to the, and she said that um, men had been contacting her since yeah. she got on. She, yeah, she was following your stuff. So yeah. I am imagining you get a lot of that. I do. <laughs> I do. I, um, What's your strategy? <laughs> well, I get a lot of um, men on Facebook who private message me and want to be friends. And if they looked legitimate, I might have a conversation. I'd say 99% of them are sort of spammers or, yeah. or someone who got really <laughs> excited about the fact that there's a woman talking about sex. Right. And, right. <laughs> and um, I, don't, I don't give them any time at all. No, right. Um, right. No. And, and that's a shame. I, you know, a lot of my readers are men. A lot of the people who subscribe to my newsletter and a lot of the people who follow me on Facebook are men, older men. Interesting. It is. And I was really surprised about it. Um, but I think from the, some of the feedback I've gotten, legitimate feedback that I listen to um, and engage in conversation, they don't have much experience of older women feeling comfortable sexually. Right. They don't see women who talk about it, um, which speaks a lot to our culture. And, and they're curious because they don't know much about us. You know, we think that men know it all and that they come in and they're supposed to know what to do. And they don't. They really don't know how to please us. They don't understand what makes us tick. And I don't think we understand them either. Um, so while I say I work with women, I know that the men who I interact with are sometimes asking questions, sometimes they're just bragging, but <laughs> um, it's kind of a public service. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I decided the other day, I told a girlfriend that um, 
you know, I could be like the man whisperer. I could sort of, uh, you know, listen and support. Um, I'm, I don't have much tolerance for someone who walks in and wants to get right down to the nitty gritty and send photos or get intimate, right. share intimate details. And I, um, that's not, that's not what I do. Um, and it gets mistaken sometimes. And we just, we correct that one pretty quickly and move on. Right, exactly. And, and, and social media is, you know, in my view, at least not the place for that, really. <laughs> it, it, it's not. Right, it's right. not and it, but it, go ahead, sorry. Yeah. It, it, no, no, we're just, we're saying the same thing. It's not. And, yeah. um, you know, there's a range. Most, most people are very respectful. And the ones that aren't, um, I don't give them the time of day because, because I... I, as a woman, we as women get to make the choices. We get to choose who gets invited into our life. And we get to say, you're not being respectful. You're not willing to get tested. You're not willing to take all of my pace. You don't have the right to have access. And so that piece of um, a broader way of looking at consent is something that older women need to understand and need to learn to feel comfortable with. And it, it was part of my journey. Right. Exactly. You know, and saying I'm right. I, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Speak. Please speak to that. World color. It's really important. Well, that we, you know, we, well, I think it's important in all of, of the aspects of how we as women sort of approach life. And I was raised in a very traditional um, your job is to be sweet and demure enough that a man will want to marry you. Right, exactly. <laughs> when I got a divorce, it's like, oh, you blew that one. Yeah. Right. And so we don't, um, it, and I did that in my dating. I was a little, un, I, I was so grateful in the beginning as a divorced woman that somebody actually wanted to talk to me, that I wasn't using my own ability to discern who was a good fit or who wasn't. Um, and, you know, helping other women, older women, maybe younger women as well, learn that we get to take our own um, bodies as really precious things yeah. and that we get to decide. You know, that's, a, that's probably a newer concept for women in my age group than it is in yours. Yeah, um, perhaps. And, and also I, I really relate to it in my own experience and also in that of women I know around me that this idea of we get to choose and that's um that's the first the first piece you know that that comes before anything else i think is is in our culture not really something that i don't know if that's different for younger women now but it's really not something that that was positioned front and center you know so even if it was there there's also there were there was certainly as i was growing up you know these other messages about you know, looking right, behaving right, whatever those are, even as a woman who grew up in a fairly, you know, a liberal home and, and whatever, they're still, were there somewhere out there. And so I think the more women like you who can, and it is in a sense, some of your work is just by being who you are and speaking what you speak, a, a public service in just demonstrating that there is this possibility of being true to our own desire. It's so important. Yeah. It's so important to me. Um, yeah. At every yeah. age, and I see that, you know, it, 
in in um, older women it might be a, you know even more important I'm not sure I I really feel this um, sense of uh, the fact that elder women are not are not really celebrated in our culture is is not just a disservice to them but also to younger women as well because we don't have that that multiplicity of role models of like what it means to um aid into our wisdom as women in a way that's positive and you know uh not not to say that 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 age is better than youth or youth is better than age but just that there is this progression of life and we learn stuff and that's something we should value you know yeah and i you know i i made the made the decision to work with older women because it felt um, more natural, even though my my training and work in prior careers had been with women of various ages. Um, but I sometimes think about teens and young girls and the messages they do and don't get. And, and I think that I could have valuable conversations there. I mean, I would love to sit my nieces down for example right. and have a conversation about sex with them but it, you know my brother would just you know just kill it and he couldn't handle it i'm sure um but I, I and i and i agree with what you said that there is that we we need to be able to connect and have conversations with you, with each other across those age spans and i see that more clearly now that i have granddaughters yeah so girls, 10 and 8 and i never really thought about that. I had sons, um, brought lots of brothers, but you know, I want them to see that being 60 or 65 or whatever, doesn't mean that I have to sort of give in and go over in the corner and sit down with my knitting. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, I, I think things work better when there is a sort of an intersection of, of females of all ages and all sort of preferences and lifestyles talking together and, and sharing and supporting, because you're right. Our, um, our idea of what it means to be older is, is entrenched and it's fairly negative and um, it won't change if some of us don't stand up and, and take the stage absolutely absolutely i so think that and i think it's interesting um speaking about your nieces and your granddaughters and then sometimes i think that um it's important to um speak with the you know the younger women or the or the elder women in our families and for me that that's in both directions definitely and i do a bit of that in my book and i and i you know think quite a bit about doing it in 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 in, in life with the younger women in my family as well but I also think that there's a probably a place for those kind of not in the direct line family, you know, because mm-hmm. that's often where that kind of taboo or whatever is stronger in some of our cultures or, you know, ways of being where it's like, you know, not, not necessarily your direct bloodline of younger women, but actually, you know, those that are to the side of them or know them or, you know, it's, there's, it's just as important a role to see women who aren't your gra- own grandmother right but who you know doing different things perhaps from what your grandmother's doing and and just to see that multiplicity but also then to be able to maybe hear things that are more you know uh deeply personal in a way that isn't so directly i don't know 
stigmatized not saying that it should be stigmatized but just interested in those intersections i guess yeah well i mean certainly talking to a wider group i mean sitting across the table and talking to, to my niece say for example yeah um, would be probably embarrassing for her right you know, <laughs> whatever she may or may not. I actually gave my um, two nieces, one's in college and one's graduated. I, at Christmas, I gave each of them a copy of my book, even though it's really sort of written for a slightly older woman. Great. And, I I, well, I, and, and their mother, they're all kind of um, much more conservative than I am. So <laughs> they are still speaking to me. But, but I, wanted, I wanted the girls in particular to read this chapter on asking for what you want, which is about, like I said earlier, understanding who you are and, and being able to ask. So empowered enough to know this is what you do or don't want and then figure out how to talk about it. Because right. I read so much about teens and college girls who report having sex where they're not reaching um, sexual satisfaction and they think that's okay. Because yeah. there's more of this attitude of we're serving the guys. And, right. you know, women are sort of continue to be raised to serve the guys in, in all kinds of capacities. And I worry about young women who are rolling into sexual experiences without fully understanding what they're doing, without seeking their own pleasure, yeah. and without learning what it feels like to say yes and what it feels like to say no. Yeah, and that's absolutely, like, crucially important, I think. And as you said before, it's important in sexuality. And if we can learn it there in a place where we're perhaps, I don't know, maybe I can say we're most deeply wounded as a culture, yeah. or cultures, we could say. I think most places in the world, there's some, you know, struggle in that place. Then I think, you know, there are other places in our lives when that yes and no can, you know, also come to the fore. And so actually, I think by going to the heart of it, really, in the, the personal sexual realm, there's, you know, there could be also, you know, uh, an impact on other areas of our lives. It's like you're going to the heart of it, really. Yeah, I would agree. And I think they all, you know, we have this idea, and I want to jump into this since you sort of got there. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. this idea that sex is sort of this thing we do behind closed doors. And, yeah. right. but, but in general, we don't pay attention to our own sexuality as it sort of arises in our own body. Right. We see it as a thing we do with a person rather than sort of looking at our own sexual health. So we don't, we don't invest a whole lot in it or we invest in it in a, in a, a way that's um, designed to lure, but not necessarily designed to deepen our own relationship with our sexuality. And yeah. And that's such an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, what I found that is as I, as I began studying and exploring and I had a partner during this time of period, this period, mm -hmm. Um, my early days, who would do anything I wanted him to do. So he and I, you know, we got to test out my readings and all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And as this happened, my sense of my own ability increased. Our relationship strengthened. And I, I had this really safe, comfortable place where I could learn to, to ask or say no or say, oh, let's do this. Or, and 
so it and it also changed me. I mean, I began to sort of take in this energy, um, and because I was having such a, an open and receptive experience, I began to feel more confident in other areas too, so that I learned to um, speak up and speak out in general. And I, yeah. I, you know, I think the two of them are woven together, and I think people who are sexually confident um, exude a confidence all over the place. That's not right. just, it's not just, um, it's behind not, the closed door. Almost. <laughs> right. And it's not low dresses. And, um, I had somebody, I'm on a dating site and yeah. this man said to me yesterday, he said, I like the fact that your picture doesn't show skin. And it took me a minute. And then I realized he meant that I wasn't showing cleavage or, Um, because our sexuality I think is not just about how much of a body part we can show off but how we present in our whole person Mm -hmm. absolutely and those things should be our um, a choice from from us right (laughs) (laughs) rather than a, a thing that we feel we should do because all the other people's profiles are doing that or whatever it is, right? Right, right. Well, I also know that if I, you know, if you're in a dating world, if you lead with sex, then all the responses you're going to get back are sex. Right. And if, if that's what you're looking for, then that's great. Right. I'm not. So um, I'm as sexual, if not more so than the next woman, but it's not how I want that conversation to start. I don't want right. to have somebody want to meet me because they like the rise of my um, cleavage or, you know, a thigh or whatever. Um, and, and older men do, you know, they, you know, that's, that's not just for the young, but that's not what I, I would choose because for me, and I, I want women to understand this, our sexuality is not tied to body parts necessarily. No, Absolutely. I'm going to ask you how you look after yourself, (laughs) how you now bring this awareness that you've developed through the work you do um, into your own life in a meaningful way. So how you look after yourself, how you relax, it could be around sexuality, but other things too, right? Um, Yeah, we always like to ask our guests. (laughs) <laughs> okay you mean sort of like in the self-care mode or yeah and yeah. and whatever else you know you feel called to say <laughs> okay <laughs> okay well i'm um i'm traveling i've just fallen in love with travel wow and the idea of traveling alone mm-hmm. um and that sort of feeds this piece of me that wasn't getting fed by the rest of this um so. I've only done one trip out of the country and then I did a trip last year in, in the country and to sort of go off all by myself and sort of take on this huge challenge of not actually having an agenda or a tour guide. Mm-hmm. Um, that was sort of neat. That helped sort of, um, um, it, it complemented my my awareness and my confidence and my ability to speak out to really step out of my comfort zone. Right. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was fascinating. I'm in love with it. Um, 
I just need the money to do a little more travel. But right. <laughs> but two weeks in Portugal in April. And it was just awesome to be comfortable and confident and not particularly worried about where I was or what I was doing. I mean, I had, you know, I had a plane ticket to come and go and I had a, a general idea and I just kind of had fun. And that that was a new experience for me. Um, mm. I think the other way that I have, I take care of myself, and this is partly the result of a lot of work I've done on myself and some therapy and enhancing and thinking about communication skills and relationships is that I am much better about checking in with myself. What is it I'm looking for? What yeah. do I want? Mm-hmm. And how do I say yes and no? And and, and that came because a writing teacher said to us one day as we were walking out of the room, as you go out to do your work today, ask yourself, what do I need right now? Yeah. You know, do I need a glass of water? Do I need a nap? Do I? And, and so I'm trying to do that. And I'm trying to do that as I um, start into new relationships as well. What do I need? Is this person is what they want a good fit with what I want right now? And, so that's a a little bit more reflective and that wasn't always something I did. So that's also a good thing. And then there's ice cream. <laughs> there's ice cream. Sorry. <laughs> I've got a toddler who would agree with that, I think. <laughs> oh yeah, ice cream. Yeah, that's yeah. My, that's my, my delectable go to is uh, quality ice cream. Quality ice cream. Or gelato. So. Uh, what fla- is that flavor? <laughs> well, there's a brand of uh, gelato. It's called Talenti. That's the brand name. Uh-huh. It's really nice. I mean, it's grocery store ice cream, but it's, um, oh, sea salt caramel or yeah. banana chocolate swirl. Um, I, I sought out some really good gelato in Portugal. I went and found a nice little shop that carried this really expensive, divine gelato. It's not worth it. I, you know, I, I get to have nice things and if I want them. And so sometimes you want ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Sometimes there's not a guy around and you're single and so you, you have ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Walker. I just want to ask you um, to tell our listeners where they can find you. Okay. And anything you just you might want to speak to briefly about the work you do and how people could could um, connect to that. Okay, thank you. Well, my website is my name. It's Walker Thornton, T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N.com. And I write there... Um, on a pretty regular basis. I also have a, a link there for people who want to talk to me about um, having me come speak to their group, small or large, doing little salons with women, um, buying the book, doing some individual coaching. Yeah, and I'm, I'm on Facebook under Walker Thornton and, and Twitter and, and Instagram. Um, and I, you know, that's a good way to start. And that's, yeah seeing what I'm saying and then seeing where and what speaks to you. Cause it's, it, you know, I don't write just about our sexuality. It's, it's sort of a bit broader than that. And um, I'm always happy to get a, a quick question from somebody. Walker at walkerthornton.com is my email. And if somebody has a question, you know, I'll often answer it um, within bounds. I mean, I'm not going to do counseling for free, but 
you know, I, I want to be supportive. And so I'm always willing to have a conversation with um, someone, male or female, and, yeah. you know, see if I can point them in the right direction. Thank you so much for talking to me. I am. Um, yeah, it really, it really struck a chord with me the way that you um, focused on kind of knowing what, what it is we want. You know, it's a simple thing. Yeah. And yet it's such a, I think, a struggle for a lot of us. <laughs> you know? Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's a struggle for me. It has been. And that, sort of that understanding is in somewhat based on, you know, my struggles. That's beautiful. Thank you, Walker. And our theme tune over and over was written and performed by Eleanor Brown, who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com. Hi, it's Marianne here, and I wanted to tell you about Jijaze, the community I founded for women who want to make a real difference in the world, but do so without totally depleting themselves. In our community, we have resources to help and support you, discussions to inspire you and loads of information about how really taking care of yourself is an important part of making change happen in the world. You can find out more about how to join us by going to www.jijaze.com. That's J-I-J-A-Z-E. If you click on join us, you can jump straight to the info about how to join. We're so looking forward to welcoming you to our community.